Welcome to Fresh Takes on the Future of Work. We are focused on fresh perspectives from business and HR leaders about the future of work. FRESH is an acronym for freedom, resourcefulness, empathy, simplicity, and happiness. Values core to operating in the future of work. We'll tie back to these while exploring interesting stories and actionable ideas. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jess Pagoni, co-founder and CEO of Luna, a technology for the modern employer, enabling flexibility and choice to meet employees where they are today and in the future. Bottom line, we create alignment between work and life to attract, engage, and retain top talent in today's competitive market. Our guest today is Liz Carello, the Chief Culture and Operations Officer at Eli Lilly & Company. Liz is an energetic business and HR executive with diverse experience in fast-paced corporate settings. She is passionate and motivated by culture in the workplace, creating a meaningful and positive employee experience so that you can be happy at work, feeling fulfilled, and even have fun. Liz is also a mom to two adorable boys and enjoys working out and staying fit to support her overall wellness. Liz, I am thrilled to have you here with us today. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Jess. I'm so excited to be here. I'm, of course, a huge fan of you and the personalization that Luna is providing in the workplace, I think, at at precisely the right time. Love the podcast. I'm really thrilled to be here. And I should say, um, I am here in a personal capacity to share my views on, on the future of work. Wonderful. Yes, Liz, I appreciate your fandom, uh, and it is returned wholeheartedly. I have had the pleasure of knowing you for quite some time now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to venture, I guess, it's been at least 10 years, and it's been an incredible journey for you in particular, but for both of us. And I, I feel like having you as, as someone to connect with throughout our career journeys has been really valuable. So I'm excited for what you're going to share with us here today. Before we dive in, Liz, do you mind just telling us a little bit more about you and and your work? Share with our listeners some of your background experience. Absolutely. So, you know, I have about 20 years, which is kind of wild to say at times. What I really focus on is, you know, really leading strategy. And so in the space of operations, finance, and, and really people functions, And as you shared earlier, I think my passion is really culture in the workplace. And I think that comes from so many different facets of employee experience. And I think right now, that's a particularly important topic of creating a a great work experience for people so that they can feel engaged, they can do their best work. I think employees are looking for different things from their employers than ever before. You know, I try and tackle that from how we run our people functions, how we run and support the organization through operations and through finance. So that's a little bit about my background and experience. Okay. So, and then on the personal side, you are greater Philadelphia region native, but then you were in Boston for a while. Tell us about kind of where you are and maybe share more about your two adorable boys as well. Oh, great from the Boston area. And so had worked in a number of industries there, 
um, in sort of an HR capacity, everything from um, nonprofit to architecture and design field, had worked in management consulting in Philadelphia, and now really in the healthcare space. And so have experienced kind of Northeast Coast, Boston, and then made my way down to Philadelphia, which of course, this region is certainly a, a huge healthcare hub. So happy to be a part of that world and, and the mission that it serves. And then my two boys, my family. So, you know, two boys, ages six and eight, very active, doing all the sports, soccer, baseball. And I think, you know, the flexibility that I've had in the past couple of years have allowed me to, to do things like coach, you know, their soccer teams. Amazing. I love that, Liz. And so really to, to be involved in, you know, they're doing great and, you know, teach me new things every day. I hear you on that one for sure. So Liz, are you ready to dive in? I am ready to dive in, Jess. Okay. It is time to get fresh. Our first question is, how do you, Liz, define the future of work? Yeah. So I think that's a a great question, Jess. If you were to Google this, what would come up? I think it's really simply, you know, our projections of how work employees in the workplace will evolve in the years ahead. When you take that and, and think about what does that translate to for leaders and HR professionals, I think the future of work is, is the thing that keeps us up at night. So how are the decisions we make today ensuring that our people and organizations are prepared to thrive in the future? So what, what's the work we need to do today to, to be successful tomorrow? I think that said, we're in a an exciting time because, you know, the pandemic hugely accelerated, I think, future of work predictions and trends. And so there are things that I think would have taken years to be universally adopted that we're experiencing right now. I don't believe we've experienced this much change and this abruptly that's really caused us to rethink how and where work gets done, rethinking entire work models, what's our culture, what are our company values. And, you know, as long as I've been working, and I think, you know, some things you say that we haven't experienced as much change since, say, the Industrial Revolution. You know, I think there are particular topics that have really been accelerated. So, for example, I think remote work, I, I think, in organizations and employees learn that we can work remotely quite successfully over the past two years. And that certainly, certainly accelerated the amount of people that we're seeing do, do remote work. I think organizations to remain competitive are having to offer some degree of flexibility to work remotely. And if you're not, I think it's going to be difficult to, to retain talent. And yet with additional flexibility in hybrid models, I think we really need to be intentional about how we retain the culture of our organizations. And then how do we even evolve it to keep people engaged and and build strong relationships in in a hybrid work environment? I think it's a challenge that's not easy and requires a, a lot of innovation and intention. I think the other thing that the last two years have done for us is really make us kind of pause on our own mortality and really question, am I living the the life that I want? Am I happy in my job? We have opportunity to spend more time with our families. And I think it 
made us realize how little time we, we have before in, in the old model of ways of working. As the pandemic really starts to turn to an endemic state, these are the things that we don't want to give up. And so that ability to have flexibility to leave early, to coach your son's soccer team, as we talked about earlier, or pursue an outside passion is something that that we don't want to give up. And so I think that concept of nine to five or completely in the office is, is really out of date. I think the smart employers are really responding by providing that flexibility that allows you to thrive inside and outside of work. And, and because of that, I think we've seen that rise in asynchronous work. So work happening kind of outside of those core hours. You know, I recently heard a talk where a speaker had said, you know, we have to remember that we're borrowing employees from their lives. And so that means that, you know, we're all kind of shifting this approach of fitting our personal lives around work. But now people want to fit work into their personal lives. And, and I think companies need need to adjust. I love that, Liz. Just to just to pause on, on that one particular thought, the idea that we're borrowing employees from their lives. And we hear so much about this, like work-life balance or work-life integration or work-life harmony. But recognizing that like life isn't work. And so how do we, I, I mean, Luna's tagline is work designed for life uh, in the, uh, the same vein, really in that concept of how do we create a life where work really fits in, in that harmonious way. And it's not always easy. I really love that phrase of borrowing employees' time. And when employers think about it with that mindset, that could be really, really powerful in the way that decisions get made moving forward. Absolutely. And I I love, I think I have borrowed that term from you, work-life harmony. What is balance? And it's really about I can do the things that I love in, in, in a way that allows me to be successful at all the things I'm passionate about, work, personal lives. And you know, how are you finding that harmony? And it means something different to everyone. Um, so you're exactly right, Jess. Absolutely. So if I presented you with a magic wand and you could change one thing about work life right now, what would you change? There's so many things I would love to change, but I'll I'll stay on topic in terms of some of the challenges I think we're facing right now. We're seeing that with additional flexibility, I think the one downside is I'm concerned about burnout and that there's this feeling of feeling always on. And so, you know, when you, you're able to work at any time, your workday is extended. I think there's also been an increase in meetings. I, I read a statistic from Microsoft that there was a 250% increase in meetings. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's not really that surprising, but that is horrible to hear that. It's really making sure if I wave my magic wand, we're, we're setting healthy boundaries as part of being flexible. It's not sustainable to have our workdays extended you know, working right before you go to sleep, you know, that interrupts um, your sleep, your well-being. And so I think we have to be careful and balanced with flexibility and, and set some healthy boundaries to, to not always make ourselves completely accessible all the time. And then we've got to get a handle on meetings. So 
is that the the best use of time? I think we need more white space on calendars for recovery and, and innovative thinking. And so I think getting away from this trend of, you know, just lots of, of meetings that I think everybody experienced during the pandemic and, and having a more balanced work day. Those are two really excellent uh, ideas. I appreciate both of them. And I'm laughing a little here because you've heard the phrase that meeting could have been an email. And I think the evolution of that is is soon going to become like this in-person meeting could have been a Zoom because, you know, I think we're also trying to figure out like, when do we need to be in person? When do we need to be on a virtual video meeting? And when does it not need to be a meeting at all? So like that, that continuum feels very fuzzy right now. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, you're right, Justin. I think, you know, there's been so many tools that have been introduced to and really getting a handle on what tool do we use when? And so does it, is it a meeting? Is it an email? Is it a chat? And really being thoughtful about that and allowing, you know, as I said, that space in between for recovery where you're not kind of bombarded in all these different vehicles that you can be reached um, through. So yes, I think that's something that will we'll continue to evolve and and really try and set some best practices around how, how to use all the different tools that we have available to us. Definitely. Sometimes I have to even remind myself that I have my like best thinking or like most creative breakthroughs when I'm like taking that walk or just like disconnecting, walking away from the laptop, so to speak. So those disconnection times can actually be highly productive. Like there's ROI on that time as well, but it does give you that break for, and gives your brain the break to, to not be kind of focused on whatever the to-do list says. Absolutely. So as far as fresh takes go, freedom, resourcefulness, empathy, simplicity, and happiness, which area do you see as the most pressing right now as we're thinking about the future of work, the evolving employer-employee dynamic, and just the realities of, of the new normals? Well, first, let me say, I think you've come up yet again with an amazing acronym. One of these things is an absolutely essential and critical right now. But if I'm forced to choose, you know, I'd say happiness. A lot of people are calling this the great resignation. I like to refer to it as a great reset. And I think it's, you know, we've all been through this collective terrible experience together over the last two years. I think we've emerged realizing life is precious and we want to spend our time being happy, doing the things that we love and and that fulfill us. And so I think the challenge for organizations is it's Happiness is not a one size fits all. It's something different to every single employee. And to create happiness, you probably need all the things that you, you talked about in Fresh. You need freedom. Um, you need simplicity. You need empathetic leaders who realize what's happening outside of the workplace impacts who we are in the workplace. And so I think it's to create that happiness, leaders, organizations really, you know, need to understand on an individual level what what drives your happiness and and how can we contribute to that in, in the workplace. 
Absolutely. And to further complicate it, what makes you happy now might change. So happiness isn't always a an answer. It's more of a journey. And to support that as an employer can be can be relatively complex and you need clear, you know, processes and and perspectives or points of view in order to invest in that for the organization. So it's it's certainly not easy, but I I love the answer of happiness because I do believe that's the culmination of of really what we're all trying to do is live happy lives. So how do you think managers can best navigate the months ahead? We hear so frequently that leaders are overwhelmed. They are more than ever burdened with the resignations or the pressure to hire faster, not to mention the day-to-day duties, as well as, as navigating the waters of flexibility. So what advice would you have or, or what are you seeing as opportunities for leaders to embrace this new world in a, in a new way? You're right. This is a hard time for leaders, for organizations. And, you know, first and foremost, you need to give yourself a lot of grace. And that's something I, I remind myself of, you know, almost every day. As you said, it's a period of rapid change. And I think you have to kind of approach it with an, a mindset of, you know, we need to be willing to experiment and try new things. I don't think there's any company out there that has all the answers right now. And so you have to try something out, gather feedback. So really, you know, stay close to your team members, learn from them, have conversations, and then iterate again. And I think even in the ways that you're communicating about, say, how you're trying to figure out hybrid, be open that, you know, this is a a journey. We're learning. We want to hear from you. And we'll continue to adjust and, and iterate. You know, we're in a space where you you have to experiment to figure out how to make hybrid work for your organization. We need to be open to try things and course correct when we don't get it right. You know, I think the other advice, Jess, I'd have for managers and leaders is, you know, as we are in this period of the great reset and, and great resignation, I think... It, you know, if you're going to get down on a personal level and stay close to your team, and I would suggest conducting stay interviews. So that's really asking what's important to you today. You know, what keeps you at this organization? What makes you thrive? What would cause you to leave? What's kind of the growth and development that you want? And I think it really helps you understand at an individual level what's important to someone today, as, as you often remember. That may look different than what's important to us next week, next year. And that you do your best as a leader to adjust to the feedback you're getting in those day interviews and, and be clear on, you know, hey, this is, these are the things that we can work on. These are the things we can provide and, and change. And also be honest if, if there are things that you can't change. Um, so having those engaged conversations frequently, you know, at least kind of a quarterly basis with direct reports or, or your team members. Really great suggestion, Liz, the stay interview. And I think like managers may feel like they aren't fully empowered or maybe don't have the line straight into the C-suite or into HR, but you can at your level, whatever that is, 
really think about, okay, what can I influence and how can I message things back to leadership that might be valuable to be considered, you know, on a broad basis. But at your team level, there are things you can influence and control to help support people best at work. So I think that's an excellent suggestion. I have one final question for you, Liz, and it is, what is one company that you admire for their fresh take? I sort of aligned them with your your fresh acronym. And so a couple of people that I admire, Adam Grant, I I think you're a fan too, Jess. Um, I am such a fan. Yes. Adam, please be listening. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's the hope. So he knows we're, we're big fans here. As you know, he's a a Wharton professor, he's an author, has his own podcast, Work Life. And I think he's really tackling so many of the issues that are on our minds um, as leaders and professionals today. He talks about finding motivation and meaning. He challenges us all to rethink assumptions, live a more generous and and creative lives. You know, I follow him in a a couple of different areas. And I just think his thoughts and suggestions are really tangible, actionable. And and he often forces me to kind of rethink some of my assumptions and approaches. I think Ariana Huffington is also extraordinary, you know, through her company Thrive Global, really centered on health and, and wellness information. She talks a lot about the dangers of burnout and getting away from this misconception that, you know, working around the clock equates to success. And so, you know, I think she's a great person to follow on LinkedIn, get practical advice um, as a leader on the importance of empathy, flexibility, uh, well-being, and happiness, and really how do we reduce burnout uh, to enhance performance and, and well-being. And, and the last uh, person I'll plug is Gretchen Rubin, who I, I love. And she has a, co- a podcast called Happier. As we talked about earlier, I think employee happiness is so important. And so she gives a lot of great tips around how do you build happier and healthier lives and realizing there's lots of different approaches to get there. Three excellent choices, all people whom I also admire. And um, and I agree with you. They're bringing tangible, practical ideas to us in, in how we can engage with work in new and interesting ways, or even just solve those problems that have always come up, but but think differently about them. So thank you for sharing those. Liz, it was excellent to have you on the show today. Thank you for making time for us and sharing your perspectives. We look forward to staying connected and um, hopefully having you back on the show at some point. We'll revisit these ideas in in a year or so and see what's changed. So thank thank you for your time. Oh, that would be good fun. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you everyone else for listening in and don't forget to stay fresh. <laughs> 